Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. All right, beloved. I have a... a, There are some people that we... Um, at, I say we, probably Kay and I more, uh, that we appreciate in ministry that we get things from. I know Kay and I both appreciate the ministry of Keith Moore. Um, we also appreciate, obviously, deeply. I am. Um, he doesn't know this, but I'm like a spiritual son uh, to Andrew Womack. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. So if you if you appreciate me, then... You need to appreciate Andrew Womack because that's why I'm here. Um, There's also other people that we pick things up from. Uh, The reason I'm saying this is because we uh, we're not that kind of church that like lords over and and does all that kind of stuff. But we do believe that you need to be mature enough to understand what part of it is meat and what part of it is bones, and spit out the bones because. there's a ton of it out there, which is just kind of the doctrines of man. And so just because we, um, we promote or encourage uh, some other minister or ministry does not mean that we completely endorse 100% of everything all the time. I differ on, uh, on areas with even people that I would consider to be mentors. But it's okay for you to hear it. Just make sure that you understand that what we're trying to do here, the culture that we're trying to build, and the vision and the mission that the Father gave for us to impact this region with is uh, something that we believe came directly from heaven. And, and I'm not saying that in any kind of an arrogant way because the Apostle Paul verified that he was preaching the gospel because he got it directly from Jesus Christ. Okay, um, so I'm not saying that I got everything right. If you uh, subscribe to our podcasts, you can go back about seven, eight years in podcasts, and you can listen to some of the stuff I re- preached on back then. And there might be some gaps in the weeks if you subscribe because I removed them. The reason I removed them is because it was bad. Not bad like... We hurt somebody, not bad like we were going to send somebody to hell if they listened to it, but bad like I got more revelation later on, and I realized that what I'd preached on was not perfectly congruent to the Scriptures, to the heart of God, to the Holy Spirit. And so I removed them. Um, (laughs) I don't know a ton of ministers that do that. Which is fine, that's, that's on them. But I believe that this year, I am going to get more revelation and go farther and go deeper than I ever have before. Amen. And then the next year 
is going to be the same way. If for the most part everything you believe is exactly the same as you believed ten years ago, next week when we baptize people, we'll hold you down a little extra. This is, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you're a normal American, three to 23 times a day, you're eating. The reason Jesus called himself bread was because it should be comparative to the amount that you take him in to the amount that you eat. He was giving us an analogy. If the only testimony, the really powerful supernatural testimony of you got of God in your life is from something from five years ago or ten years ago or twenty years ago or somebody else's story or something in the Bible, then I would encourage you today, this week, this month, this year, to let the Lord do what he wants to do. Jesus never gets old. He never gets unfresh. He's never exhausted all of his power, his grace, and his ability. But we kind of turn him on and off. Uh, this outlet right here is filled with the power of the Byron nuclear plant. Filled with it. I could, if I could figure it out, I could tap into this outlet and get everything that's coming out of Byron. So if I cannot run my hair, I don't even have a hair dryer, whatever I run, my shaver thing. If I can't run my shaver, I do not get to blame ComEd. I do not get to blame the Byron nuclear plant. I don't get to blame beloved church. I don't get to blame Pastor K. It is because I did not take advantage of what was freely available. Which is humble myself, bend down, and plug in. The grace of God is the exact same thing. The revelation of God. The love of God. I've had hundreds of people come up to me because they hear the testimony about how I had a radical encounter with God's love and God's grace. And I've had hundreds of people come to me and say, please pray for me that I will have an encounter like yours with the love and the grace of God. And I say every single time, I can't. I can't pray that on you. Jesus said, seek, you'll find. Right. Knock, the door will be open to you. You can have the most powerful supernatural encounter that any human being has ever had right here, right now, because you choose to. I'm not holding you back. God is the Byron nuclear power plant. He's just saying, plug in. So I said all that to say that there, uh, I'm going to hand out three different preachers that I've received from. I cannot guarantee that everything on here is everything that I believe, but these are really powerful. I've received a ton of it. So the first one is Keith Moore, and this is on loving him. A lot of us 
um, have a revelation of God's love for us, but there should be a reciprocal to that, which is our expression of our love to Him. We love Him because He first loved us. So if you say God loves me, there should be a natural, normal reciprocal to that. A person who struggles with loving their neighbor, loving their wife, loving their pastor, <laughs> it is some, it, that doesn't mean like you're a terrible person. That just means that you have not allowed the love of God to actually come into you because now you don't have anything to give. You can only give away what you have. If you've never truly been loved by the Father, how are you going to give it away? It's just going to be plastic. It's going to be hard. It's going to be works. It's going to be something you're supposed to do because the Bible says to love people. That means that you need an encounter with the love of God. You cannot just obediently love people. It has to flow. Otherwise, it's not real love. If I go back there and I command Kay to love me, How's that going to work out? Fellas, any guys in the room? What happens when you command love? God knows that. I know we have a commandment to love, but it actually says, you shout love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor yourself. You shout. That means that it's actually like a fruit. You shout. Not you better. You shout. Look it up. So this is Keith Moore on Loving Him. Who would like this? This is an MP3. It's got like 5, 10, 15, 20 messages on it. So you'll have to, um, hopefully you got an MP3 player that will listen to all the messages. <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is really powerful. Um, this is a great, huge revelation that I got in my life. Dwayne Sheriff preached on the Bride of Christ about so many years ago. It does, oh, 15, 2015, we were there. He preached on the bride of Christ and correlated it to the Christian life. And this is an incredible, incredible revelation. He preached on it for two different messages. <clears throat> Guys, you are a bride. <laughs> and gals, you are a bride. And Jesus is the groom. And we, the church, are the bride of Christ, and we literally have come out of the side of Jesus Christ because the soldier's spear pierced him, and out of him flowed blood and water, and we are what flowed out. We are the blood, and we are the water that flowed out of the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a powerful, powerful revelation, so who would like to have these two? Uh, Clark, will you run this back? Thanks. Um, And then I have... uh, this, I'll say this right now. This needs to go to a guy. This is uh, Dr. Mark Barclay. Um, he is a former Marine. So he's a little bit Marine-y. <laughs> he's got some really, really awesome things to say, and there's some really powerful truths on here. I will warn you, you got to kind of filter through some of the Marine stuff, and you kind of got to filter through maybe a little bit of of borderline legalism stuff, but if you can eat the meat and spit out the bones, there's some really powerful stuff on here, and this will really um, this will really develop some uh, some godly masculinity in a fella. So, any guys want to grow some spiritual hair on their chest? All right. Does anybody know what series we are in? 
Okay, for the other 75 of you, <laughs> Jesus loves you. I just have to remember that. We are in a series called Soul Success, uh, as highlighted by, I think that's a 1970 Camaro, because uh, Ford does not make an SS, right? Am I right? Okay. Uh, the uh, SS uh, used to mean super sport, but I have redeemed it for the kingdom. And so I've taken it from Chevrolet, and now it means soul success. And the reason that I picked an old muscle car is because I am going to give you all of the muscle, all of the posi traction you need, uh, Hurst shifter, four on the floor, and you are going to rip it like you would... In a Camaro. This is literally like the wheels of the Christian life. Let me start off with a really important statement, um, a doctrinal statement so that I can kind of lay a little bit of a foundation about what we're going to do today. The Christian life has little or nothing to do with your spirit. I know I just tilted everybody. Your spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's not even yours. It's His. You don't have one. You have His. But then you have it, because it's yours. (laughs) Amen. Uh, If if that messes with you, we can untangle that later. You'll have to call me. But you don't have a spirit, and then there's the Holy Spirit, and the Father's living in you, and then the Son's living in you, and then you got a soul in there, and every once in a while some demons come and hang out for a while. You don't have like a crowd That would be schizophrenic. And there's a ton of schizophrenic Christians, and we need to pray for them. A lot. But that is not true. You are one. Behold, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. There's one Spirit. It is the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, which is your Spirit. Didn't Jesus say that? Uh, Luke chapter 23, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It was the Holy Spirit, but it was his spirit. But it was the spirit of God, but it was Jesus' spirit. And it's the same spirit, Romans 8, 11 says, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal bodies. Quickening your mortal bodies, making them alive. Your mortal bodies are being infected with immortality every second of every day, if you believe that. Otherwise, just believe that you're going to get old and get gray and lose your eyes and lose your your ears and lose your thinking and and fall apart. Just so you know, everything I just said is the curse. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 16 through 68, you will find out that losing your mind is a part of the curse of the law. Getting old and wrinkly and falling apart is a part of the curse of the law. And we've been set free from the curse of the law according to Galatians 3, 13, and 14 so that the blessings of Abraham might come on us. The blessings of Abraham is eternal seed. Your mortality has been infected by immortality and that's called the Spirit of God. His Spirit, which is your Spirit, which is His Spirit, which is your Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who is joined unto the Lord is one Spirit with Him. 
There's not two spirits. I don't have Steve's spirit and the Holy Spirit, and they're kind of chilling, hanging out together, powwowing, figuring out what to do, and then they tell me it doesn't work that way. The part of you that you think is the other part that's on the inside of you is your soul. The Christian life is about getting your soul in line with your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. It is the spirit of Christ. It doesn't need to be fed. It doesn't. I've heard so many preachers, well, you need to feed your spirit. You need to... You know, get some spiritual food at church. You need to, your spirit is releasing food. It doesn't need food. It's releasing, but it's rivers of living water flowing from you. It's bread of life. It's, it's life. It's health. It's energy. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, your thought life, your worldview. That's the part that you need to deal with. And that's what we, that's what we're supposed to be doing in the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing in Konania. That's what we're supposed to be doing in fellowship. That's what you're supposed to be doing in your personal uh, discipleship time. That's what you're supposed to be doing at grace groups. That's what you're supposed to be doing in, when you're worshiping the Lord, when you're singing. You are supposed to allow all of this truth and the Spirit of God and the grace of God to infect, 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 inflict and affect your soul until it perfectly mirrors your spirit. And then when people look at you, what do they see? The Spirit of Christ. When you see something dead, you bring it to life. Because the life-giving Spirit on the inside of you gives life. When you see someone oppressed, you give them joy. Because the spirit on the inside of you is the spirit of joy, the oil of joy that anointed Jesus above his fellows. When you see someone poor, then the, the spirit of Jehovah Jireh, which actually doesn't mean, I know the song goes, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, but it actually means Jehovah Jireh actually means many-breasted one. I know we got young folks in here, but you guys get it. It literally means like there's more being produced than the babies need. Many-breasted. Over-breasted. It literally means provision that goes beyond what you need. So Jehovah Jireh literally means like he's the God, the personal God, Jehovah the personal God, that provides more than you could ever need. So much of so many people in, in Christianity think, well, no, I don't want to be selfish. I just need what I need. Um, by the way, that is selfish. Because if you just need from God what you need, then you have forgotten about seven point whatever billion people on the planet that could really use someone to come into their circumstances and rescue them from the terrible life that they're in. So if your Christianity is all about you, you probably are normal because that's what most Christians do. I just need to go get me some God for me. Like God is your narcotic. Like get a little shot. All right, I'm good. That is not what God wants to do. God wants to overwhelm you so much that it just spills out on our world and on people. The Christian life is about developing, discipling, training, disciplining, teaching your soul to be a perfect representation of your spirit. Jesus was a perfect representation of the Father. How did he do that? Through his soul, through his body. That's what we're supposed to do. So as I'm ministering to you on soul success, I need you to understand, like, this is, if you take this stuff in, 
This has the ability to change every single thing about the experiences of your life and your future. Or it can just be information and you take it like that was a good message, preacher. So anyway, down to the pulled pork. First, uh, third John verse two. I'm going to minister today on the shepherd of our souls, soul shepherding. Third John verse two, beloved. I wish it says in the King James and other versions it says pray. The reason that it struggles between wish and pray is because it's actually a word for prayer that has nothing to do with a request, but it has to do with a godly desire. You can't pray prosperity into someone. You can't pray salvation into someone. I probably have to cover this now because of some new faces in our building, you cannot pray God to save someone. That is uh, witchcraft. Witchcraft is praying for a spiritual entity to change somebody else. Thank you for all those amens. That was good. That was really good. That, that landed well. You can't pray for God to change someone. You can pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends someone. But the change that takes place on this earth is going to be done by you. So praying God to do what God's asked you already 2,000 years ago to do, right? Go into all the world, great commission, go be my hands and my feet. To pray God to do what he told you to do before you were even born is like the... It's the proverbial American thing like, well, I'm not responsible for all the mess in this world. Okay. Do you vote? Well, I I don't like all them people, so I don't vote. So you voted. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You voted for whoever won. They won because you didn't vote. Not to get off on a rabbit trail. (laughs) But the, the reason our government can literally molest the church is because the church won't vote. Uh, And I ain't, if you didn't vote in here, I don't know. (laughs) So you can look at me and say, yeah, you can amen me and I'll think think that you're a voter. The government would never be able to, uh, statistically, there's 77% of America is Christian. Statistically, that means that 77% of everything in America should be Christian, which includes our government, our businesses, our healthcare systems, the protests in the street. Is that the case? No. Why? Because the Christians think that they can sit on their couch and watch Billy Graham videos and the whole world's just going to change without any, them doing anything. It doesn't work that way, beloved. You can't pray God to change the world. God already changed the world 2,000 years ago with Jesus, and then he released the Spirit of Christ into you, expecting you to go and occupy until he returns. If you're okay with babies being murdered by the million, if you're okay with people being put into tyrannical slavery from their governments, if you're okay with... Um, children being sex trafficked, if you're okay with endless wars, if you're okay with all this stuff, then don't vote. Stay home and pray. Right. 
If you're not okay with those things, engage. Vote, and I can get you involved with a bunch of, I'm involved with all that other stuff. I'm trying to stop babies from getting murdered. I'm doing everything I can in all these realms to try to impact our world. I could use your help. And what I mean by that is don't just pray for Steve, that he has a good, effective way of ministering to this stuff. That literally means get engaged. There's a ton of ways you can get engaged. If you're not engaged, you cannot complain. Beloved, I have a prayerful desire above all things. Can you get this? Like if I walked up to you on the street and said, what do you think the number one desire for God is in your life? If you came up in a, in a legalistic church that's really, uh, <laughs> that's really religious, you would probably say, well, that I would be holy, that I wouldn't sin. If you're struggling in your marriage, you'd probably say, love my wife better. Usually wherever you're struggling... That's where you're going to probably say, like, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God wants you to do. Jesus said, if you seek for, uh, Matthew 6, 33, says, if you seek first the kingdom, that he will make everything in the background of your life happen for you. What would your finances look like if God was making your finances look like and not you and your 40-hour job? Has anybody ever thought about it? Do you need me to give you time in the middle of the message to think about it? What would your finances look like if God was the financier of your home and you weren't? Do you think things would change a little bit economically? So why doesn't it look that way? Well, I would say this probably for most of the guys in the room. I know this was true for me. Maybe you're way more holy than me, and I'm fine with that. But if you're a guy in the room, you think it's your job to provide for your family. (laughs) Uh, News to all the people that think that way. You can't. You don't have the ability to provide for your family. You don't. What your family really needs is not money. Is this too deep? Did I lose anybody? They don't, they don't need money. They need you. The worst time I ever had in my marriage and as a father and as a, as a person, as a human being, is when I gave my life, heart and soul, over to the business world. And they repaid me with a six-figure income. I gave them my heart. I gave them what was supposed to go to my wife and children. I gave the business world all of me, and they gave me a six-figure income. And almost lost my family and my marriage. When the whole time, like, Kay didn't marry me for my money. (laughs) I can assure you, when we got together, (laughs) it was terrible. (laughs) Ask me about my bachelor pad one day. 
I'll tell you one little story. The kitchen, it, it, it got, after we moved out, they condemned it, knocked it down. It was so bad, they knocked it down. It, they knocked, after we moved out, they knocked it down. What a bulldozer. The kitchen was so gross, so gross, that it had, people had spilled stuff in the kitchen for 10, 20 years. And of course, nobody ever cleaned it up. That it had linoleum, and the floor was so rotted out and so bad underneath the linoleum that the linoleum bubbled about this high. It bubbled from one end of the kitchen to the other. So when you went through the kitchen, you had to... And you could hear the stuff underneath it. There was more bugs in there than dirt, and there was a lot of dirt. It was terrible. Horrible. And I loved it. It was mine. Well, me and Clayton's. We shared it. <laughs> Couldn't afford it by myself. I think it was like really expensive. I, I think I paid three or four hundred dollars a month. It was high priced. So we're living there and I'm loving it because we grew up bad. Ask mom. Like we lived in places we didn't have food. We didn't have I mean, sometimes the four boys, I had three brothers, we'd slept in the same room, bunk beds. And I have some gassy brothers. I'm, I'm way more holy than them. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> but I, we lived in trailer courts and, and housing projects. And, I mean, just we lived in a place, I was just talking to somebody, that we lived in a place that we were so poor that the country club, where was that? That the country club gave us, let us go, let me and my little brother go to the country club for free because they literally had compassion on how poor we were. And so we'd go and swim all day while mom went to work, which was awesome. We were at the country club. <laughs> and, you, and we didn't think about it until, I mean, we didn't know about it until afterwards when we got older and mom explained it to us. Well, the only reason you were at the country club is because we were so poor, they, they just let you in there having compassion on the poor people. I'm like, what? I thought we belonged to a... I used to tell people we belonged to a country club. <laughs> and I always wondered why they laughed. <laughs> but that's how poor we were. And so Kay and I got together, and she was pretty poor, and I was pretty poor, but we were in love. She didn't marry me for my money. Guys, got, your family don't want your money. You ain't got much anyway. They want you. Mom, they want you. If you're trading money for destiny or money for identity, then you are for sale. In a way, you can say the world is prostituting you. That's what it is. Look it up. The world is prostituting you. And a bunch of guys think that it's okay to just get a part-time job or work extra hours or, or do overtime or whatever, and that's what's going to make ends meet. So they just prostitute themselves more to the world. God actually has a financial system that goes beyond trading sweat for dollars. That will make it great for your family. That will make it great for your relationship with God. You know how many people that I try to encourage to, in the kingdom, they say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. Okay. Keep going to work. 
What happens if your body breaks? Well, then I get, get paid by the government to sit at home. Like, that's... People actually, like, that's a goal. I talk to people all the time. It's a goal that they get on, what's it called, disability. They literally are praying. I've had people call me. I could show you, I I can't, like I could pull up emails from people that say, please, please, please pray that they accept me on disability. And I was, they don't come to church here anymore. I wonder why. Uh, but I basically wrote them back and I rebuked them. I will not pray that your identity is in disability and that you live off of the money taken from other people. When God has provided a system for you. And if you're on disability, first of all, I don't know it and I'm not, I'm not fussing at you, but I'm saying like that's not God's system. That is not God's system. The same way with the lottery. If you're in here and you play the lottery, not God's system. Not God's system. God is not a gambler. Nothing in the kingdom of God is a gamble. And you are throwing your money away. If you don't believe me, go look at the statistics. God desires, wants you to believe that this is true. If you believe that this is true you are entering into what God desires for you. I wish above all things, above all things, that you prosper, that's a financial thing, and experience divine health, that's a body thing. So, body, health, finances, why those two? You realize like most of your life is consumed by that. Putting your body together and keeping it together, especially the younger that you are, the more you're engaged with the mirror. The older you get, you're more like, eh, that's as good as it gets. (laughs) Going to church. (laughs) But when you're young, it is like, man, got to get everything and just right, and then so you could do a TikTok video that goes to China and then disappears forever. When When your finances and your health are in order... For the most part, people feel like their lives are clicking. God knows that. If your finances and your health are in, most people will then be very dutiful about their time becoming like kingdom things. Why do you think the devil is so interested in putting our economic system into a tailspin and encouraging everyone to accept the coronavirus. I know, it's just, it's just so happy. It's science. Yep, there is nothing going on behind the scene to try to control, manipulate, kill, steal, and destroy the human race at all. This is just all happenstance. That there's race wars, that there's an economic nightmare, that there's a physical fear factor that every single person has to deal with every 35 seconds because you're going to hear about it. Totally has nothing to do with the spirit world. This is all just scientific stuff. God bless you. The way that your finances and your physical health are going to align with what God desires for you is that you allow prosperity in your soul. 
your physical health and your finances, and let me say this real quick about your finances, there's a difference between rich and prosperous. Rich will kill you. For real. Rich will kill you. Because it's all about your money. About keeping it and saving it and protecting it. Make sure nobody touches it and, and making sure it does the right thing. And, and you got to invest right because if you lose it, oh my God, your whole life will fall. People commit suicide all the time over money. Rich people. There's a, way, there's a huge difference between rich and prosperous. Prosperous is you have enough for your life, for your children's children, and you are blessing people all around you. To the degree that you desire to bless people, you have it. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse like 9 or 10. That you have enough to give and more. To every good work. That's prosperous. That's prosperous. To your children's children. I'm a chaplain at FHN, and I, uh, I'm with people at the end of their life all the time. And I cannot tell you how recently, the last five years or so, I've heard this. I don't even know. I've lost track of the number of times where they said that they were, uh, this person that died, they were, liber- they were living on borrowed time because they were out of money, they had everything, and they were living in some terrible nursing home or something, something. And they were, the reason that everything was kind of going down, they didn't have money to pay for the doctors or the nurses or the whoever people that were supposed to, so they had literally, their entire life, think about this, just this week I was in a room with a 96-year-old man who had passed away. He lived 96 years, and at the end of 96 years had nothing. Nothing. And the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Grandkids. You should have enough that your grandkids say, Thank you, Grandpa! Woo! Sure I'm glad that he was a good man. Psalm 35 The prosperity of your soul is going to determine how this flows. Psalm 35, verse 27. (laughs) Good. Let them shout for joy and be glad. (laughs) I can't even complain. Um, if you didn't shout for joy and be glad, you probably don't believe it. I'm not, I don't know who did or didn't. I'm just telling you. If you can't shout for joy and be glad in church. Um, I won't go there. Uh, if God doesn't excite you, if God's kingdom doesn't excite you, do you want to go to heaven? It's a real question. You should, you should ask yourself, do you want to go? Why? Why would you want to go there? Why would you want to go to literally eternal church? 
If you don't want to go to temporal church, why would you want it? Well, it's not going to be church. Okay, the gathering together of the saints all around Jesus, praise and worship nonstop, angels flying, people freaking out because they're in the presence of God. Why do you want to go there? I'm not picking on nobody. I would just want you to think about it. Why do you say you want to go to heaven? Just say that you don't want to go. At least be honest. That's why Jesus said, I would rather have you hot or cold. Just say, hey, I hate you, God, and I'm out of here. I'm going to go do my own thing, and whatever happens, happens. Or say, I'm all in. The devil owns the fence, y'all. You know that? If you're on the fence, you're in the devil... He actually prefers for people to be on the fence because they think they're safe. They think they're safe because they got a little bit of Christianity in their life, right? Are you going to heaven? Well, yeah. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Well, why are you a Christian? Because I'm not Muslim. When did you become Christian? I was born Christian. My parents were Christian. You're not born Christian. If you don't love and, and, and rejoice about the things of God and you aren't seeking the kingdom and these things aren't exciting to you, then it's probably not really all that part of your heart. And you can... That's fine. There's no condemnation on anybody. There's no requirement for you to be Christian. You can come in here and you can think terrible thoughts about me. You can go slash my tires after church. I'm fine with it. I really am. I don't care. I'm going to serve God either way. It doesn't matter how hard it is. In fact, the more persecution that comes on me, the more I appreciate the fact that God has my eternity wrapped up. So you can almost encourage me by doing stuff like that. I got more encouraged. Kay just talked about We were more encouraged during seven years of not getting a paycheck than a bunch of people that we know that had more money than they knew what to do with. We were excited, and you can ask them, but there's a bunch of people in this room that have been with us for eight years. We aren't any more excited about Jesus today as we were five years ago when we were believing God for groceries. Literally believing God for groceries. Kay used to sit at the table. This happened many times. Where Kay would sit at our kitchen table and she would make out a grocery list. On Thursday. That's a grocery day. And she would sit there with her grocery list. And I would sit next to her. And we would hold hands. And we'd say, thank you, Lord, that we get these groceries. And we had no money. Had no gas in the car. One time I got called to the hospital to pray for somebody that was a part of our church. I had to take every single coin I could find out of the couch, out of laying around in random places, out of an ashtray in my truck. I had to take every single coin I got and put like $4 worth of gas and drove to Freeport hoping that I was going to have enough gas to get back to go pray with someone. And we were filled with the joy of the Lord. Filled with the joy of the Lord. During that time, we gave away, I think, three, maybe four cars. We gave away countless things. We didn't stop being generous. We just had to trust God more. You heard Gay's testimony. Give away four cars when you're believing God for grocery money. That's when you know that God's taking care of you. We would shout for joy and be glad. We would cry when we get to give cars away. And still do. Amen? 
Let them shout for joy and be glad. If this doesn't resonate with you, I'm not condemning you. I'm not making you feel bad. But I want you to think why. Just think why. Why is it, why is it not really a big deal? Why does it not really? Why do you not really care about God and the kingdom? Other than you just don't want to go to hell. Is he not good enough for you? Is this kingdom not attractive enough for you? Do you think that he doesn't care enough for you? Is what he calls beautiful not beautiful to you? And I don't know. I'm just, I'm throwing stuff out there. I just want you to chew on it. This is soul stuff. A healthy soul makes a healthy life. So if you think about, like, what, what is, and I would really like, I mean, I would be super, super blessed if, all, if everybody went home, 80 people went home and they said, why is it that it's not really important to me? And ask yourself. And be real. Be genuine. You think the Lord don't know? <laughs> hey, listen. You think your family don't know? You think people around you don't know that sometimes you're playing games and sometimes you're kind of plastic and you're like whatever and... And you're on the fence and you're... You think people don't know that? Come on, y'all. Our world, especially this, the younger generation, these folks are really good at plastic. Really good. When I was a kid, you could fool us a lot. Because we were kind of stupid. This generation, they know plastic a mile off. Hey, Ma. Hey, Dad. They know plastic a while off. Don't tell them to go trusting in Jesus when they watch you go and trust yourself or other things okay not really one of those shouting sermons is it (laughs) let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause what's God's righteous cause well for us to be holy and not sin (sighs) that favor my righteous cause yay let them say every once in a while on Sunday at church while everybody's looking Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified that has pleasure in the prosperity of me. Lord, I want you to prosper me as much as you desire and get as much pleasure out of that as you possibly can. I want to bring you pleasure, Father, which means bring it. Whatever you've got, I'll take it all. If you paid for it in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll take it. If it's important enough for you to bleed for it, it's important enough for me to bleed for it. Uh, Go to Proverbs chapter 3 real quick, please. I want to establish a principle real quick. uh, Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 45, I believe it is. That it says that the first man, Adam, was a living soul. The first man, Adam, was a living soul. So the first man, Steve, was a living soul. When I was born, I was born a living soul. I was not born a spirit. I was born a living soul. A soul that receives life. Your soul was created to receive life. 
the enemy came along in the garden and he convinced Adam and Eve that he had a life for them. And so they allowed Satan to become their source of life. But you were created by God as a soul to receive life. God always wanted that life to come from Him. But sometimes we choose not. Sometimes we get life from TV. Sometimes we get life from our emotions. Well, I feel happy today, so I'm alive. I'm really upset today. So I'm mad and sad and broken. Our life comes from our emotions. Uh, young people, our life comes from our relationships. When my friends love me, yay, everything's great in my life. When my friends don't like me and they say terrible stuff about me on Snapchat, I'll kill myself. And if you think I'm kidding, they literally had to dereg- or had to put regulations on Snapchat in Europe because the suicide rate of Snapchat girls... Girls on Snapchat, the suicide rate went up 800%. Why? Because people weren't liking their pictures. They didn't have enough likes for or whatever it's called on Snapchat. They didn't have enough appreciation for them. They didn't have enough value for them, so they thought themselves unvaluable, so they killed themselves. Because of a social media app. And we're all like, oh, that's terrible. But think about it. They're just getting life. That's where they got their life. They got their life from Snapchat. Guys will get their life from, you know, this is, this is a normal way for guys. Like to me, hey, what's your name? My name is Clark. My name is Steve. What do you do? Right? Guys. Girls will, I don't know how girls do it. I don't pay attention. But guys will be like, Steve, I'm Bob. What do you do? Well, I do this. What do you do? I do this. <laughs> Better than you. <laughs> That's how guys are. Everything's a competition. Our identity is in what we do. What we produce. Gals are usually, probably about family. Like, hey, I've got, hi, my name is Kay and I have two kids and a great husband. Who's really hot? Can I say hot? Yeah? Have to check sometimes. That's how she greets people, right? Bam! <laughs> Amen. But that's probably how gals they're more they're more entwined that way. Guys are like, we're all about our identity comes from what we do, what we produce. Gals are probably more involved with their identity came from what they produced from their womb. But either way, that's wrong. You are, I am not, if Kay is not the identity that she's a mom of Hannah and Gunnar. That's not her identity. Her identity is son of God who had two children and they're great kids. My identity is not pastor. It's just what I do. I shepherd because I see the Father. Because I'm a son. And my Father shepherds. That's what He does. So I just do what my Father does. Whatever you see the Father do, if you believe you're a son, you'll do what you see your Father do. 
If you believe your father chews people out all the time and condemns people and tells them how terrible they are, then you're a judgmental person, and you're being that because you believe that that's who father is. So if you're a judgmental person, it's because that's who you believe God is, and you're being like God. If you condemn people, if you're always judging people on their doctrine and you got it just right and everything and or the word police i came out of the word of faith movement and we had a bunch of uh we had a bunch of confession cops that was their job every time you confess, oh that just that just made me crazy (gasps) don't you say crazy you'll lose your mind don't say crazy okay wacky that, that was their job, was to be the confession cops, to run around to everybody. So you think it's God's job is to come and be a confession cop in your life. However you live and express your Christian life generally comes from what you believe the Father is. If you don't value other people, you truly believe that the Father doesn't have value for you. You know that he might have to accept you because he's just not going to let you go to hell because that would be terrible of him. So that's how you treat other people. Well, I mean, you're not so terrible that I'll kill you, but I totally ain't going to love you. How many Christians have heard say this? Well, God says we're supposed to love each other, but we don't have to like them. Yeah, hear that all the time. Well, I'm supposed to love you, but I don't have to like you. Says who? Give me your verse, please. You don't have one. It's just man-made doctrines for us to be terrible, broken people and blame it on God. Whatever you're missing in life, it's because you probably don't have a revelation of that from your father. I'm shepherding because my father shepherds. Kay mothers because her father is a father and parents. Everything we... We didn't... (laughs) Our parenting didn't come from parenting classes and books. We didn't read books and go to classes on parenting. We read the Bible. And we spanked our kids. And I know that's, I'm just going to go to, I'm going to go to to American hell for that. Because you're not allowed to spank your kids. We spanked our kids because the Bible says that if you hate your children, you will not use the rod. And we didn't hate our children. So we use the rod. I know that a bunch of you are like, there ain't in the Bible. That's totally in the Bible. If you hate your kids, you will not spank them. And guess what society says? Society says, if you touch that child, you're a terrible person. So society says, if you use the rod, you're a terrible person. God says, if you don't use the rod, you hate your child. So now you have to make a decision. As they grow up, we still use the rod, but the rod changes because now we don't have to deal with them on a, on a physical level. Now we get to deal with them as adults. And the rod of correction is the word. But until a child can receive the word of correction, they have to have the rod of correction. God made this part extra, extra receptive. The last man, Adam, when you were born again, or the Bible terminology is born above, when you were born above, you became a life-giving spirit. So, in a way, when you were born again, you were complete. Because you had a soul that receives life, 
And then you're born again with a spirit that gives life. Are you seeing this? This is beautiful. God birthed you from the womb as a soul that needed life. And then when you accepted Jesus as Savior, God birthed you from heaven as a spirit that can give that life. So now your soul don't need anything. Man, I hope you get this. If you think you need something out there, you need the appreciation of some person, you need a certain amount of income, you need a certain amount of health, you need a certain amount of of Facebook up thumbs, whatever you think that you need from out there, that means that you're not getting it from the Spirit of God in here. And the enemy will be happy to... Uh, to give you whatever it is you need from out there because he wants you addicted to out there and not humbly, meekly receiving from in here. So in Proverbs chapter 3, I'm just going to read through uh, real quick some, some verses in Proverbs chapter 3 and we're going to land on 22. I'm going to start in verse 13. Happy is the man... And the reason that in the Bible it always seems like it's talking about masculine things is because as a son of God, a son of God, the Bible is written to sons. It's not a gender thing. It's an inheritance thing. The son of the king gets the inheritance of the king. That's why the Bible looks like it's kind of written masculine, not because it doesn't care about gals. In fact, the first evangelist in the entire Bible for Jesus was a gal. And some of the first uh, apostles in the Bible were gals too, so we can, we can do something later. Um, happy is the man, happy is the son, I can say, that finds wisdom and the son that gets understanding. Wisdom, understanding. Wisdom, understanding. Wisdom, is knowing what God knows. Understanding is knowing what to do with it. You have to have both. It's not just knowing what God knows. Then you become some legalistic Baptist. And you go around telling everybody what God thinks. If you know what God knows, and you know what God's going to do with it, that's wisdom and understanding. Now you can know what God knows. You don't even have to go to somebody and tell them what God knows because you just want to help them. How many times, I can't tell you how many times I've had a prophetic word for someone that I did not release, that I know that God told me something about that person just for me to know how to minister to that person, not for me to tell that person what God said about them. Everybody follow that? You do not need to spill all your beans on everybody, everything you know. The more you know about someone and you add to it understanding, the more likely you are to actually help them. If it's just wisdom, let me tell you what's wrong with you. Well, let me tell you what's wrong with you. And this happens oftentimes, I hate to say this, in our most intimate relationships, this is the thing that we do the most. Like, right? Like, it's my job to tell Kay everything that's wrong with her. Right? Like, gals know this. The only reason that gals ever get married is to fix somebody. God bless you. God bless you. You are able to fix someone that even God can't fix. Because if you believe that God could fix them, you'd let God fix them. And maybe your job is not to fix them. Maybe your job is to love them. Any hooser. 
go back to the Bible. Happy is the man that finds wisdom, the man that gets understanding. The merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than gold. This is why I know that people don't believe the Bible. The Bible says, by his stripes you are healed. I know, but I'm sick. Don't believe the Bible. The Bible says that his wisdom and his understanding is worth more than silver and gold. And we say, oh, that's a cool scripture. I totally believe that. So anyway, Monday morning, 8 o'clock. All right, let's do some work, get some silver and gold. So wisdom and understanding is worth the weight of silver and gold. Why? No, it's just, it's just Bible stuff. She, wisdom, understanding, is more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. I know, it's just a Bible verse. It doesn't... It's like poetry. God just loves to hear himself talk, so he just says stuff. doesn't really mean anything. Length of days... Just so you know, that doesn't mean like just to get old. It actually means your days are long and fulfilled. You ever had a really fun, cool, awesome day and you're like, man, I wish this day would never end? Probably not while you were at work doing that thing. That Okay, that's what this means, length of days. You're supposed to actually live your life where it's like, man, I hope today don't end. (laughs) that is going to take some chewing length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor does God want you rich two people we don't believe the Bible if wisdom and understanding was a part of your life in one of her hand you have long fulfilled days And in one of her hands, there's riches and honor. So if she's in your life, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retains her. You know how you can tell a Christian in a crowd? Who's sucking the most lemons? Right? Right? Because you can't be Christian and happy. You have to pick one. You're either Christian or happy. Right? No? The Bible actually says, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. The more lordship God has in your life, the more happiness it produces. If you're an unhappy person, it's because you're probably wrestling with God. Which you usually lose. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding has he established the heavens. So he used wisdom and understanding to literally create everything that you know and see and feel and smell and touch. So if you need to affect something that you can smell and feel and see and touch and know, what do you think you're going to use? Are you going to do it with some other system other than the creative system? No. It's the same system. It's the same system. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them, wisdom and understanding, do not let them depart from your eyes. 
Keep sound wisdom and discretion. That means how, knowing when to use wisdom. So shall they be life unto your, your soul. Your soul can benefit from wisdom, understanding, and discretion flown freely from your spirit. God intended for it to be this way. Go to John chapter 10 real quick. Let me show you this in the life of Jesus. In John chapter 10, the entire chapter is a really powerful opportunity for you to, to see this activity, which is the perfection of God going into the souls of people. He literally equated our souls to sheep. Now, in today's world, being called a sheep is kind of an insult because it means that you just kind of go along with the crowd and you do whatever they do. There's a story in Germany, I think this was in 2004, I think it was in Germany. No, it was in Poland. In Poland, there was a sheep that committed suicide in Poland and it, by uh, running off a cliff. And 1,500 other sheep watched it do it and then went and did it. Why? Because this is how sheep were created. That's why Jesus was paralleling your soul to a sheep. Because your soul will do whatever it seeks. I'm kind of letting that... So if it sees Jesus, if it sees the Spirit of Christ, if it sees wisdom and understanding and knowledge, if it sees power, if it sees love, if it sees grace, if it sees glory, then your soul will just do that. Because souls do whatever they see. But if your soul sees the rest of the world say, hey, the coolest thing ever is, uh, is Nike shoes. Well, now we got people that are paying $800 for a pair of shoes. And when I was a kid, they were killing each other in the streets so they could take their shoes off and keep them. How can someone kill someone for a pair of shoes? Because their souls believe that. That's where the, what they've seen, and so that's what they do. Whatever your soul sees, whatever it fixates itself on, whatever it receives from, that's what it has to give. God created it that way, just like a sheep. And so Jesus starts off this chapter saying, hey, there's a bunch of thieves and robbers that came before me. What's he talking about? Anything that was affecting the souls of the people that came before him. If anything that comes in your life before Jesus is trying to minister, quote-unquote, to your soul, it is a thief and a robber. He was specifically um, analogous to the law, to like Moses and the prophets, to the Old Testament, because they were doing things in people's souls, but they were not producing life. The law can never produce life. The law can only produce death. So get this, parents and married couples. The law produces death. Do you think you're going to affect someone in your life into loving you more or being a better person by lawing them? You'll actually kill them. Well, you better come home at such and such a time. And I'm not saying it's not wrong to have a curfew for kids. But when you do your spouses that way too... If you don't do this, then I'm not giving you any love tonight. You set the rules. Now, they have to perform for you to get your love. Death. You just killed them. You just killed them. 
Because now love is performance. And you're going to turn the love from God into performance too. The more you turn the love of God into performance, the more you perform, the more you kill yourself. And you break the Father's heart. And then Jesus said that that He is the door. So He's the actual door that is supposed to flow everything into the sheep fold. The sheep fold is the safe place that the Father keeps us. If it doesn't flow through the door, if it doesn't flow through Jesus, it's a thief and a robber, probably a wolf trying to come and kill the sheep. So if it doesn't flow through Jesus and it tries to get to your sheep, your soul, it's going to kill. Which is what John 10.10, which is one of the hinges of the Bible that I have come to give life, but the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we always use that applying that towards Satan. And I'm fine with that because Satan does come to kill, stone, and destroy. But specifically what Jesus was alluding to was anything getting to your soul that wasn't him. Did, did we get this? Like this is one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. And most of the time people don't even get the context of it. The context of it is anything trying to get to your soul that is not Jesus is a thief and a robber, and it will come to kill, steal, and to destroy. When I, when I go to the marijuana dispensary and I buy a great big fat uh, joint, and I light it up and I get really, really high, I am loving life. But when my high wears off, what happens? The reality sets in. If I've had a really long, hard hard week at work and I'm going to go get super, super duper drunk tonight, that'll make everything go away. Does it make it better or worse? All it does is numb it for a second. It numbs it for a second. And then when it comes back, it's twice as bad. Because it's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Anything you do to your soul that does not come from and through Jesus is death. Thievery. Robbery. So then Jesus picks it up in verse 11, right after he says that famous verse, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life. They might know what the word life is there. Psyche. Soul. It's the word soul. Most people don't know that. I'm the good shepherd and I give my soul for the sheep. But he that's a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. We have a bunch of hireling pastors and ministers in America today that were Revealed and uncovered by a pandemic because they fled when the wolf came. And I'm not condemning nobody. I get it. I mean, if you're just, if the only reason you're pastoring is because it's a pretty good job and you get a steady paycheck and you don't have to work very hard, then you deserve to be called a hireling. Because you are. If you, if you need to use our church, for, uh, I have a celebration of life that we just did last weekend. So they were like, how much is it? How much is what? 
This isn't my building. This is His. You don't charge people of God for this. The people of God paid for this. Are, are you all following me? You can't pay me to come preach. You want me to come preach somewhere? Don't offer me money. Because the minute you do is the minute I'm already leaning towards not coming. I don't go preach for money. I'm not a hired gun. I'm a shepherd. When the pandemic came, I doubled down. All right, what are we going to do? What do I need to do to protect my sheep? I'm preaching on healing. I'm going to get them in the room. I'm going to preach on healing. I'm going to put oil on anybody who needs oil. I'm going to lay hands on anybody who needs to be laid hands on. If someone calls me with symptoms, we're going to their house. We're going to protect them. That's what shepherds do. Shepherds do whatever it takes to protect. They have a, a staff. You ever seen a shepherd staff? Step shepherd. That. On this end, it's kind of a big stick. On this end, it's got a hook. It's a two-ended staff. Why? The hook is to pull the sheep out of a difficult situation. If they fall down a ravine, if they get too far away or they too close to something they shouldn't be, the hook is on there to pull them away. What's the other end? The other end's a bat. To beat the sheep? I've heard preachers preach on it. The other end is a bat for the wolf. You don't beat sheep. If you went to a church that beat you, I'm sorry. <laughs> the shepherd didn't know how to use the staff right. You don't beat sheep. You beat wolves. You beat bears. You beat lions. That's what the other end of it is. A shepherd is like a coddling ninja. I thought about that. It was pretty good. Coddling Ninja. Maybe that should be the title of the Coddling Ninja. But he that's a hireling and not the shepherd and whose own sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. Scatters the soul. Scatters the soul. Why are problems coming from the enemy into your life to scatter your soul? To confuse your soul. You know, when you're unconfused, you're confident. But when you're not confident, it's most likely because you're confused. You don't know what to do. You should memorize James 3.16 as much as you know John 3.16. James 3.16 says where there is strife and envy, there is confusion and every evil work. Every evil work. Every Anybody know what every means in the Bible? Verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd... Therefore does my Father love me because I lay down my soul that I may take it up again. Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus was sacrificed. What did he sacrifice? According to this verse, he sacrificed his soul for you. Why? So your soul could be redeemed by the shepherd. 
Jesus wants to shepherd your soul. Jesus wants to shepherd your soul. But he needs your permission. If you're on your own sheep track, you got your own sheep fold, you got your own watering hole, you got your own special place to eat that none of the other sheep know about, then you're probably not with the flock. You can see in people's lives usually how well they're being shepherded in their soul by how connected they are to the family. This ain't resonating very well with people, is it? I can tell. As a shepherd, I can tell who's usually doing really, really healthy and growing and learning and, and engaged and by how much they're around and they're, and they're in stuff and they're excited about the stuff and they want the stuff and they're doing the stuff and, it, and they're calling me about the stuff and like, hey, I just had this testimony and, I, and this revelation and this da, 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 da. And then I can tell like six months later when that person like crickets. Okay, am I the only one? Do you, is there people in your life that it's like, hey, like it's, it's all about that relationship and it's woo, and then it's like, eh, I need to go wash my hair. It, it happens the same thing in the kingdom. People like get excited about the stuff of God. And, well, I'm all in. Squirrel. As Jesus shepherds your soul, all of these things in your life are going to line up. So, Allow Him to do that. Allow Him to place you in the sheepfold. Allow the, Him to be the door of what comes and what goes into your soul. Be a good sheep. Sheep say, Amen. Goats go, but, 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 but. Don't be a goat. A lot of people do preachers that way. But, 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 but. Sheep say, Amen, Pastor. All right, I have to be done. I really, there's some other stuff. Maybe I'll do it next time. Sorry. I had a video presentation and everything. And then you, I know. We need to get a new projector, though, too. So So it's not very bright. All right, I would like to pray for you, and then we're going to go downstairs. For those of you that are going to uh, get all the intimate information about Beloved Church and a free meal. I don't know how to do it. Alright, so please rise. Let me bless you. This is the universal sign of I'm ready to be blessed. Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His precious, life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, you who are greatly loved by the Father, I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health. 
to the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon.